to our podcast, Oggy and the Alien, where we discuss all things movies. Uh, I'm Darcy Gabriel, my pronouns are he, him. And I'm Karen Gaylard, my pronouns are she, her. And uh, I'm Darcy's mum. And this week we're going to be discussing Alien, uh, the 1979 classic. But first we're going to talk about, um, usually we talk about different movie, a different movie we've watched this week, each individually. But this week, we were actually able to rarely... We actually, um, we, I was in, in your city and I managed to go to a movie with you. Yeah, we managed to actually nice. get to the cinema together for once. Um, and we saw Belfast, which yeah. uh, was great. Well, what do you think of it? Um, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I just wanted to mention that, you know, we're, I was keen to see a movie... Um, the, you know, the Oscar nominations have been announced, so I'm trying to catch up on movies that I haven't seen that have been Oscar nominated. So I was keen for that, for this reason. Um, and it has been, it's got, I think it's got seven nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, uh, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor. Um, yeah, so I, I was, I was excited to see it for that reason. Did you know anything about the movie before we went in to see it, Beth? No, I uh, had seen the poster a couple of times. Uh, didn't really give it too much thought. Um, I saw the trailer when we were considering watching it, um, and it doesn't tell you much of anything, but it looked intriguing. So um, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't really look up anything. I. Uh, to be honest, usually for the most part, when I go into a movie, I don't like to look up a lot beforehand. Um, I like to go in somewhat blind, just unless I've already been told things about it, already know things naturally about it. Um, but if it's just a yeah, movie that just looks interesting and I want to know I want to see it, I won't look things up about it just so I can go into a fresh sort of perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that can be really good. Um, I probably don't want to spoil this one for people because... Definitely. Um, <laughs> It's still out at the movies, so um, I think we might just do a quick, quick wrap um, of generally what we thought, rather than talk about, you know, the story, how it unfolds. But what, what were your thoughts? What did you think? I really loved it. It would just, it just felt uh, refreshing. You know, it felt uh, just a bit different. It really focuses on character. It's a very character-driven movie that's acted very, very well. And what I liked is that um, even though it's about overall without really spoiling thematically, um, it's quite scary. It's in a scary time period and it's very uncertain time period. They still keep hope alive throughout the entire movie. They still make... It's got got a little bit of lightness as well as the darkness. It's got humour and... Exactly. They, they, they still... make good use of music, like you know, the the Van Morrison soundtrack is is lively and um, provides that you know that lift. Yeah, I mean, it's been stuck in my head all week. Points. That one, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, but it, it it just definitely, even though it's really hitting on hard topics the whole way through and really, yeah, uh, just a lot of awful and sad things, um, it just feels homely. It feels yeah, confident. Yeah, there's there's yeah. some really grounding characters that bring the movie, that, that take you through the movie. Yeah. yeah. To me, I think what um, what it is that makes it so sort of, I, I like that way that you used homey, is because it's told from the point of view of, of the little boy, Buddy. Um, everything is sort of seen from his perspective. So whether it's mm. the violence that's happening or, you know, the interpreting... Um, yeah, they try. He's trying to understand why this violence is happening, and he's having a conversation with that friend of his. And they talk about what makes a Catholic and what makes a Protestant. And really, to kids, there's very little difference between the two, as there should be. Um, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and everything's just. I make fun you know, of that quite from, a lot. From his perspective, oh. yeah. It's yeah. just it's just brilliantly done. I, I think if anyone um, is you know remotely curious or interested, it's just really good. Um, I definitely yeah. recommend it. Yes, yeah, lovely film. We might move on to our main feature then, yes. which is um, Ridley Scott's Alien. 1979 Alien, um, not the 
2003 director's cut. Um, which... No, we, we, went, we went old school. We watched the original. Uh, well, let's just start with some spoiler-free uh, reviews. Yeah, well, we probably should give it our scores out of out of ten. You go first. Um, I'm most curious to hear what you thought. What are we? What, what are our? What's the scoring mechanism this way? Oh, um, uh, Joneses. How many Joneses? Oh yeah, because that's oh, the cat. Yeah. That's okay. the cat in the movie. Yes. <laughs> Um, um, I would give it nine, nine chances. Wow. Okay. I know. Last week you said um, that you don't think you've actually seen the movie at least the whole way through, but yeah, um, I, I don't, don't think I had. Uh, so um, I thought I first saw it with you, but I could have been wrong. Um, but it's okay. Well, so it's why highly unlikely. Well, it's hi- I just say it's highly unlikely that you saw it with me, especially if it was a few years ago, because. I just don't watch horror. Is it? Sure I think you recommended typically. it to me because you knew I, I may it. have <laughs> recommended it to you to watch. That doesn't mean that I watched it. Okay. Um, uh, so why did I scrub so highly? I think this is lightning in a bottle. I think this is, um, you know, just consider the time this was made. Oh, We've yeah. had Star Wars. We've had um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I was um eight when this was made and um it was a time when definitely sci-fi films were really coming in coming into their own and 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 people were trying new things to set a horror movie like this in um in a sci-fi setting is is just brilliant and i love the fact that it the spaceship is this working spaceship you know like it's it's dragging back it's a refinery basically it's 20 million tons of ore (laughs) back to back to earth all the people on it are just you know they're not heroes they're not luke skywalkers or um you know hand solos or anything like that they're just working class um plebs doing a job and trying to get back to earth so that they can get their money exactly um and you know the spaceship's feel about it they deliberately you know i i read a little bit about this how they built the sets and they really did use bits of junk to give it that um used I feel have a, like this is not a sparkling spaceship this is this is a workhorse sort of spaceship. exactly i have an interesting tidbit um that i'll tell you later about uh the alien the one specific point um but i totally agree and they actually they also, in conjunction with using, you know, scraps and whatever they could, um, they also worked with um, H.R. Geiger, uh, who was an artist at the time who was quite famous. Uh, he has a really weird style, and he designed the alien, um, at least in its full form, and designed a lot of the um, uh, sort of ancient architecture that you find uh, early on in the film. There's some ancient architecture from ancient aliens. He designs a lot of that as well. Um, so it's really cool that they actually got a real artist to play a part with the art directors to design. Yeah. And that's where you get this creative look from, a really creative, distinctive feel um, that sets it apart. You know, it's not just a green Martian. It, it yeah, yeah. feels different. Well, that's it. I mean, this is way before we had green screens and we could just do things on computers. Mm. And it really, um, you know, part of it's, parts of it, you think, that does look like oh, like it's from nineteen seventy nine, but it's so old school. It's it's trend. It's not about. I, I, it's one of the reasons I sort of um, don't enjoy watching horror films is I feel like they just try and wear you down by showing you more and more gore, more and more. You know, <laughs> here, here's someone getting something. You know. Um, cut off their body, like you know, another chainsaw. Oh, that's a very this one, I mean, type of horror. <laughs> well, it feels like that's what a lot of horror films do nowadays. Whereas this one yeah. just has this gentle, like you're it, the pace, and 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 a lot of reviewers yeah. talk about this the pace of the film, it unfolds slowly, it builds gradually. You know that something's going to happen, but it's well, all about it's happening in your head more than on the screen. Exactly. Well, for example, I mean, one of the things I love about space, space is an obsession for me. Um, 
and often when you think of space in popular culture it's it's fast it's, it's sci-fi you know it's it's uh especially in you know a lot of movies it's it's uh spaceships and rockets and lasers and it just there's busyness there's a there's a crowdedness to space yeah. it feels overwhelming um what i love though is that space is just truly vast and beyond comprehension um it, it is just empty quiet it's slow it's methodical it's just it's uh it's incredible um and the movie recognizes that and uses that the whole way through every movement of the ship or any ship in that in that movie really is slow careful methodical you'll see a like a solid minute of the ship trying to dock you know very slowly moving um and i love that because it's just so uh, realistic it's set wildly in the future but it doesn't carry away with that it doesn't make yeah it all, like, it's not like tech. it's trying to impress you with how whiz bang it is yeah exactly absolutely. it just takes what's it's, scary it about for space already yeah well space is already scary in its fastness yeah. and they just amplify that they recognize that and they they sh- the silence in the film speaks for itself you very rarely see the alien yeah. but you yeah. feel its presence oh we have to be careful not to get too far into the spoilers just in case That's there fine. is anyone who hasn't seen this movie yet what do you score it now um without a doubt it's a 10 out of 10. i would i would rate it higher than a 10 out of 10. it is <laughs> it is a movie i will always be in awe of watching it i just felt in awe of the characters the actors the directors i just can't help but feel absolutely impressed by what people have made here you know yeah, just yeah. One of the that's how i feel too i'm impressed by all the creatives that came together and to make this film now that we've given our scores are we yeah, going we're into gonna... the spoiler spoilers. zone spoilers i just want to touch on the things that have come after it in the same yeah sure um in the in the same series so you know aliens alien resurrection alien 3 whatever um and the more recent films as well in the last sort of decade um i controversially do not like aliens it's it's a fine movie but it's not a good alien movie to me um and that, that for a lot of people well it's controversial because for a lot of people at least who i've spoken to um aliens is the more popular film and I can see why it is much more uh, in line with what pop culture sees as, as, as space horror, you know, it's, or space anything, really. It's an action-adventure. Um, you can even, uh, you know, I, I saw and an, read an analysis on the movie posters, how they show the distinction. The first one is just very, I'm pretty sure you just have the egg. You know, it's, it's very yeah, you do. And yeah. simple. The second one, you've got Ridley Scott there holding a flamethrower in one hand and a kid in the other. Um, And it's just, it's cool, but it's a different movie. It's not alien. Like, it's not. That's true. It's not the the same mind. With the first film, nobody knew what to expect. And um, and so showing the egg and and that it's all about Mm -hmm. the anticipation of what is this thing going to be. And it was really interesting the way it was received. I found this old YouTube video where someone was interviewing, it was a woman was interviewing Ridley Scott just after the film had come out. So, you know, it's it's contemporary to the film. And wow. she was so shocked by it and she couldn't believe. She said, um, you know, there were parts of it that she just couldn't watch. And Ridley Scott was really patient with her. And really, I thought he was very, um, you know, just he could have had a bigger ego and just gone, well, why have you got me on the show if you just see the rubbish my movie? But he, um, but he kind of said, well, you know, I, I, I take, I understand what you're saying, but I think if you, if you were able to watch it through a second time, I think you'd understand that there's actually not a lot of scary scenes or gory scenes it's it's more what's happening inside your head that's mm-hmm. scaring you um and that's really what this film does like it's a master class in how to scare you without having to have a lot of 
visual. So, I mean, you don't even really see totally. the, the full alien, do you? you just get Very rarely you alien. do, and it's yeah. a good thing because the actual alien itself, aside from the head, which is fantastic, the design of the head is just in, in, oh, like, the, the crazy. Jaw. Super cool. Yeah. But the body, I mean, you can clearly tell it's just someone in a suit. Um, well, that's what I said. They didn't want to show that too much because yeah. just, it's a man so in a rubber both, suit. And, yeah. It's both a practicality thing of not showing that off too much because you can't highlight it, but also um, it does benefit the story in that you very rarely actually see it. Um, you just see glimpses. You see the tail. And it keeps changing shape. The dripping spit. Metamorphosing. Mm -hmm. so, um, what... so it starts out as something else and then turns into something else so yeah that keeps you guessing as well as to well what is this thing so the interesting tidbit i have about the alien design at least yeah it's actually with the face hugger which is what that little crab spider looking thing is called um you've got uh the face hugger the chest burster which is the little thing that bursts out of the chest <laughs> and then the xenomorph um right which interestingly enough it's called a xenomorph because it's Xeno alien and morphs yeah. with whatever it combines with. Um, yeah. In a later film, you see it combined with a dog and it takes on different characteristics. But what they did with the uh, crab, with the, not the crab, the face hugger, um, is when they're looking at it after it's died, um, after it's come mm. off, uh, I can't remember his name, that guy's face. Oh, I've got his name here, Kane. It's Kane. Kane. When it comes off Kane and they're prodding at it, they, what Ridley Scott did is he went to a fish market or a butcher or wherever, got just a bunch of like mussels and oysters and, and weird looking fishy things um, and put them in the the model so that I, when you look in the guts, it's literally just them picking at oysters and mussels and whatever and, and just I think mostly oysters and mussels. So it kind of, if you know that, you can kind of almost see it, but it just, it looks so good. For that scene and yeah, it's just such a yeah. great idea um yeah so lifelike i think it is something that was alive. i i don't think that film would be nearly as good if it was made 10 20 30 years later any of those times because if they made it in the early 2000s they would have without a doubt done 3d animation in the film probably quite a bit um and it would look very dated by now if they did it now same thing i mean maybe it would probably look better but anytime you start using computer generated effects they get dated with time nearly always they they do degrade with time but practical in-camera effects don't they don't they don't fade away with time because it's always the same you're seeing real things when you see yeah. the flamethrower the fire looks ultra realistic because it's real fire you can't fake yeah. it um so i think the fact and, that they and, have and when they have um when they have the chest bursting scene, I mean, that's the big scene that everybody talks about from this film. <laughs> they they used real blood and bits that um, so that when the the little alien puppet burst out of the fake chest, yeah, blood went everywhere, and they didn't tell the actors that they were going to do that. That and was a very only, controversial. They could only yeah. film at once, so they had to have cameras at every angle. But all the crew apparently were in black raincoats, and the actors were like, "Okay, something's going to happen here, but what, what's going to happen?" Yeah. And um, you know, obviously, it brings a real, it brings realism to those scenes because it mm -hmm. it's actually happening happening to the people. They're not having to act like guck is being splattered on them they're actually being splattered with guck which is yeah. pretty disgusting at the time but it creates this real scene and apparently um at the time there were people who would go to the movie and when they they'd heard about that scene when they thought it was coming up to that scene they'd get up out of their seat and move to the back of the theater wow because they didn't want to get splattered <laughs> that's hilarious Oh, that's crazy. Um, but this film was just so it was, groundbreaking for its time. That's, it, yeah, that's still why. Is to me. Well, another mm. thing that I really love about it is the world and the aesthetic, aesthetic that it created. The, um, on the Nostromo, which is their, their ship, um, their living quarters uh, have a very unique kind of look to them. They, mm. 
you know it, it it's hard to describe but it's if you just look at and at those scenes in the movie um it, it doesn't really look very similar to a lot of other spaceships in, in cinema and you have really old in a way purposefully old tech they didn't try to make cool new looking tech like you might get in star wars it still looks a bit dated now um but they had old tiny monitors with green text um yeah. they they didn't and i i love that the the sound design of the movie is amazing because every little sound effect of that old the old whirring of the computer and the, every kind of sound it makes and the whole ship all the sounds just create that super unique aesthetic for that movie um that i just love i you know yeah it definitely succeeds in creating a you know it, you have that suspension of disbelief because it builds this world that feels very real the actors don't feel like they're acting in this world they feel like that is their where they where they're living and working exactly because yeah the environment reflects them and yeah i mean just the set design alone shows that too i mean you see uh like so much about where they live and you can tell that people have been living here you know um it is a bit crazy to me that just seven people run this oil refinery but um i guess that's all they need and um uh where with the um interestingly with uh ash the android um you can actually because i know that he's an android having seen mm. it multiple times i was specifically watching out for signs and i noticed I... That there are quite a lot of indicators that very from the beginning that he's not human when they're eating for example he will i i don't know if this is was on purpose maybe he, it's a robot that can actually eat um but I never actually saw him bring the spoon to his mouth. He kept just holding it nearby and then putting it back down in the background. Oh, he, he drank a glass of milk. I remember seeing him do that. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is that um, I don't know if this is related, but the I wonder if that was not necessarily milk, but the liquid yeah. inside them. Yeah, because when he gets the broken. Color. Yeah, when they, when they um, basically break his... <laughs> yeah, he's bleeding blood. Yeah. It's white, white liquid. Yeah, which looks um, so perhaps that was what he um was suspected. Yeah, so, uh, I, I I love the fact that they have this whole corporation, the Wayland Utani Corporation, which owns basically everything in that universe. Um, in some way or another. Um, I love that. There was that whole plot going on in the background for them specifically like everything that happened them finding that signal then being woken up then being sent to that planet was all engineered yeah. um and that was delivered brilliantly because they don't reveal it they they really stretch that out they really make you wait for that kind of moment of realization yeah, well, I didn't necessarily even think that that was all engineered. Um, and I, don't, I think you can watch it without oh, necessarily. Oh, Well, but can, right. But the way I saw it was, um, I mean, they were, the, the ship was programmed to wake them up if there was anything like a distress signal or something. And they got that signal, which they couldn't decipher at first, but they took it as a distress signal. So they were responding to that. Now, I know you, you're saying there's a whole thing. Definitely, I get that um, once they got that alien on board and the and Ash, the science officer, did some tests on it and they started to, he started to realise what that alien was and fed that information back. Then I think the order changed no. and they were to bring that back. So what's actually revealed on the computers um it says this in in the movie uh is that uh there were there was actually they were actually specifically diverted off course toward that planet. Oh, okay. uh, this was all built into the into the it was a protocol already built into the into mother the computer and only 
uh, the scientists had access to it. The ship was meant to divert because they knew um, the alien was there. Uh, okay. Is they, that why um, I do whole, know that they said yeah. that um, Ash, the, the android, was um, picked to go on the, on the trip just two days before? So maybe that was part of that whole plan was that they replaced they definitely the science revealed, officer with Yeah, that it, they were specifically diverted off course. Okay. okay. I missed that. <laughs> I missed that. And I don't that's think it took fine. away anything of the film um, plan. Uh, yeah, that's one of the aspects that I personally really enjoy about it as well is the whole Wayland Utani Corporation um, in the background. Um, I think um, the thing I love about that is um, we have to talk about Ripley. Oh, so Ripley, Ripley is the Sigourney Weaver character. She's the survivor. Ellen um, yeah, and um, right from the get-go, right from the moment that this, um, you know, she she detects when they're um, on this, um, is it a planet or a moon? They've landed on this planet I think or it's moon, a moon. Yeah. to respond to this, um, what they've taken as a distress call. And she's look, been looking at that and she goes, actually, I don't think it's a distress, distress call, I think it's a warning. And she wants to pull the the astronauts back who have left the ship and are on the on the moon. And the um, I think the science officer says Ash. we can't. It's too late. Exactly. They wouldn't. They wouldn't even hear you now, even if you tried. Um, so all that makes more sense later on when Ash is revealed to be working for the company. Um, but right from the get go. The character of Ripley is just, I don't trust this situation. Um, this is going to go bad. And when they come back to the ship, she's the one in charge and she's trying to say you're not allowed on board because you've, something's happened and until we determine mm -hmm. what's happened, you need to be in quarantine. And she's overridden again by Ash. But the whole way through, she's just, um, her opinion doesn't change. She's sceptical. And as soon as she sees that alien life form, she's like, this is not good for us. We've got to, we've got to get rid of it. And whereas some of the others are kind of like, well, maybe we should just check it out first. And yeah, you know, like, well, it's, probably, no it's probably no harm, but she, from the right from the outset, she's like, this is easy. Yeah. She really is to me, the, the perfect uh, character in a way, the perfect, like the pinnacle of, of, of how a good character should be because she has very, very clear motives and values that she never falters on. And she, uh, she's intelligent. She consistently the whole way through does the most rational and logical thing. You never yeah. wonder, well, why didn't she do this? Why didn't she do that? Or why did she do this? You know, as soon as, anything comes up she does the best kind of option that makes the most sense you don't you don't question why she does certain things really um i guess maybe why no. she won't back for the cat at the end but that's an emotional thing really well i know that made sense rationally to me as Definitely. well she knew that she was going on to this little um little escape plane shuttle. or spaceship yeah. shuttle um called narcissus she was going to be alone on that for goodness knows how long. Having the cat with her would help preserve her sanity. Because well, she, she would actually be alone. in in ice. So she would. She was actually going to go under, which is what happens at the end. So she yeah, I know, but she still didn't know how long she would be alone oh, of course. on that ship. Um, it turns out it's fifty years, by the way. Just a fun fact: fifty years. Oh, okay, space. great. Um, but. Also, she just loves that cat. The The impression I got is that she just cares and loves about this cat. And I love that because you see that consistently the whole way through. She does care about the cat, you know, they have a love-hate yeah. relationship, but she does care about it. It um, definitely gives her a human, you know, a very human cat. side. Because I, I think it's really great that they, you know, in the original screenplay, all the characters were men. Um, and I think it was actually one of the producers that said, how about we make Ripley a woman? And um, and to his credit, Ridley Scott said, yeah, sound, that, that's an interesting you know, thing to do. I'm, I'm interested in doing that. So um, It was the best right, decision they could have made. 
Yeah, and but they they knew from the get go that it was there wasn't going to be a hint of sort of romance or sexual in, innuendo mm-hmm. or anything like that. These women were there to do a job, just like everyone else. Exactly. And they and so gender did not make a difference, except for the fact that the audience did not see her as the as the one that was going to be the survivor you know you can imagine if you're seeing this for the first time yeah and it's always the guys that you know were the heroes because Mm -hmm. that's the way movies were made Uh, you're looking at um what's his name dallas dallas the the captain captain. or you're looking at parker maybe maybe kane initially until he's the first one to die Mm. and and you're trying to pick out you know well who's going to be the hero of this movie and nobody would have seen ripley coming and she's just there the whole time tripping away going yeah you're going about this all the wrong way you know and she's rallying well, they manipulate fight. it they they certainly manipulate it because right up until the moment that they're off the ship and you actually see her alone right up until that moment she's in the background you never really see her she's just very minor and they i think they do that on purpose to push those expectations as well to really yeah. play with them because they show off Dallas as this kind of uh, cool cowboy, handsome yeah. pilot, captain, um, and he leads the team as they go off the ship. Um, yeah. And since she doesn't go off the ship and you haven't really seen her, you'd think the main character would be on this expedition, not just hanging back, because the main character never hangs back. So when... Yeah, and she's like, she's like the third officer. Exactly. Like, she's... But yeah. then when you see her talking smack no to the uh, annoying engineers yeah. who were just there for the money, really, they're quite uh, just, no, like, they're just kind of losers in a way. Um, well, they keep just sort of they're agitating. Agitating they're her. And they're pushing her buttons and stuff and just harassing her in general. And when she just, you know, smack talks them and, and just stands up for herself <laughs> and, and says what's what, it's just you realise in that moment this is who she is and she's got what it takes to survive, you know. That's yeah. the moment where she steps into the light and becomes the main character in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they really did differentiate her from Lambert, the other woman on the crew, <laughs> who um, that actress, Veronica Cartwright, actually thought that she was going to be playing the Ripley character right up oh, until no. the first day of filming. And, um, and she was pretty disappointed to be put into this other role because she didn't oh. like that this character Lambert is sort of, you know, a bit emotional and... and Very emotional, sweet. yeah. Um, oh. But the way Ridley Scott sort of sold her on playing that part was by saying that you're the audience. You're reflecting all the feelings yeah. that the audience is feeling. So and she, even though she, to do she does play this kind of annoying stereotypical character of that time, um, that's just a, you know, quote, in quotation, hysterical woman who's crying all the time. Um, <laughs> Having, it is a bit like that. having, yeah, it do, it does feel like that, and that is kind of annoying. Um, but it is true that having a character there who reflects how the audience feels, um, really helps bring the audience into it because, yeah, without that character, I I think a lot of it feels a bit unrealistic. Like it. it feels like everyone's being too macho, too tough, too, Surely too careless. Surely they wouldn't be coping with this as well as yeah. That. Now, could they put that character into a man? Um, I think they, they could have um, at that time. They didn't. <laughs> um, but <laughs> what, what can you do? Um, yeah. what, what I also love about um, that is, interestingly, because it's a classic trope, especially from that time, it's a very, it's that famous trope of the black guy dies first or the, wo- uh. the women die first. Yeah. Every single white man in that film who's not an android, which is Ash, dies first. They all are killed off. Yeah, Every single one yeah. of them. Parker and then, really um, comes into his own through the film, I think, because he starts he out as being this annoying he do. he does, yeah. agitator who's just always on about how much money he's going to make and, you know, wanting to get more money than he may be entitled to. But during the battle against the alien, he actually really steps up and and um just becomes really um committed to fighting mm. the sailor and i was actually really sad that he didn't make it yeah it is kind of sad because 
he obviously did care about his his friend, his um co-worker, the other engineer. Um, and when his when that French. guy died, you get this sort of just this shot close up on um um on what's his sorry what's what's um his name Parker no Brett the the Which black one? engineer Parker Parker you get a close up on him just uh just really emotional very very yeah. upset and disturbed because he just saw the person he was closest with on the ship be you know killed taken away and and killed um yeah and it's yeah, the first time was... you see him actually showing a real kind of emotion that isn't just uh playing off jokes or bad mouthing yeah. or whatever um, and that's the point of change for him yeah yeah i might just mention who the other actors yeah. are because um i think they all do an amazing job in this um so obviously we've got sigourney weaver as ripley tom skerritt is dallas the captain John Hurt is Kane, who um, is the first to, to be killed. Yeah. And John, and John Hurt went on to do his, his, his no longer with us, but he was the first Dumbledore, Darcy. You might remember him from that. But he went on That's to and he was in Lord of the Rings and did lots of um, amazing uh, film parts. No way. And, and before this, he wasn't a pretty young man when he, when he did this. Um, and then oh we've got God. Veronica Cartwright as Lambert. Harry Dean Stanton was Brett. Yefet Koto was Parker. Ash was played by Ian Holm. Um, and the and the alien was mainly played by Bolaji Badejo, which I may be pronouncing correctly, but um, he was Nigerian. And discovered one day in a, I think in a fast food restaurant because he was still seven feet tall and very skinny. Yeah. But what a claim to fame. Yeah, totally. But uh, they all I mean it's such a small cast, but they all do they all have their moment of reckoning. They all you know Dallas. do amazing things. Dallas is ironically the most forgettable character. Actually he's yeah. really forgettable, you know. He starts off as the typical kind of uh take charge captain but he just doesn't really do much after that you know mm. he's very oh well and he's dies. the one that leads he's the one that leads the um comes up with the plan so you know they just they figure out that the alien is in the air ducts. that's true yeah and, no I and didn't he get comes that. up with the plan <laughs> and he does quite the hero turn by being the first one the to first one into in. the ducts with the with the flamethrower and and basically sacrifices himself um, so I, I, I think maybe you know, uh, unwi- <laughs> maybe you've done him a little bit of an injustice there. Not unwillingly, um, unknowingly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he does. I think it's the second one to die, isn't it? Uh, or, or is he the third? Maybe or, he's third I after Brett. Third, but yeah, I think. Yeah, because I think, I think Brett's the second. Oh, and that scene mm-hmm. where Brett's tra- trying to find the cat. Jonesy, oh, yeah. Jonesy, Jonesy. And then the cat hisses. Oh, God. It's just the tension that they get in out of these simple, very simple scenes. But, you know, this is what you get when you have a good script, you have really good actors, you create sets that they um, can really, you know, feel a part of. And it just all comes together. And I think that's what I mean when I say it's lightning in a bottle. I think you would struggle to recreate this film today, as mm-hmm. you've said, does. There'd be so many more people trying to tell you how to do it. And I think part of the magic of this film is it had a lot of unknowns. Before this movie, Ridley Scott had only done one other feature film, which which I think um, did okay and... Um, it opened doors for him, what, but he certainly was, was called the Duelists. D-U-E-L-L-I-S-U. But he was relatively unknown. So he was given this opportunity and he was able to, you know, they didn't give him a lot of money. He managed to talk them into giving him a bit more money as the filming went on by showing them some of what they were doing, the the. Yeah, the producers were like, all right, we'll put a bit more money towards it. But it was still pretty low budget. Again, 
Sigourney, she was only known as a stage actor at the time. She hadn't been in film. She was incredibly complete unknown. Um, and, you know, this script was something that hadn't been done before as well. A, a horror movie in space just was something that hadn't really been explored before. And so it was just, and mm. those, I think those elements all coming together at the right time. Yeah. And the fact that it truly um, grounds in, in sort of reality what space travel would look like, it truly brings that into, into vision. That's what, part of what makes it scary is, is how realistic it is in a way. It doesn't yeah. feel detached from reality. They're real people with real lives on a, on a realistic looking ship um, that's doing a real job. You know, it, it all makes yeah. sense. You could imagine that that was your uncle as, you know, one of the engineers or something, you know, like yeah. <laughs> it just feels like it's just, um, yeah, normal yeah. people trying to earn a living and um, and this happens to them. And, they, and it plays on real fears. I mean, people are afraid of what could happen. Afraid of the unknown. In space. Yeah. Um, what, what I really um, uh, admire about the movie is its betrayal of, of space you see the vastness in a way um they do uh you, you do get this unusual cluster of planets i don't know if it was the shot but when they're traveling to the planet oh like yeah yeah those unusual planets are sort of lined up together yeah it's the way that they're lined up um is probably what makes them look a bit odd but um it is an interesting cluster that you don't see all too often but um i i love that they just have um the the vastness of space there it you know um like the tiny little ship compared to a massive planet in a way um that something um i love um the the design of sort of the landscapes of the planets and the even just the planets in the sky i assume this was mostly matte paintings that they would have done um where someone would have probably painted those individually um yeah which is crazy. Yeah. Can I tell you another funny little um, tidbit of information I discovered in my, mm. in my Googling. Um, when they were outside the plane, the spaceship, I keep saying the plane, <laughs> <laughs> when they were outside the, the little the spaceship, they'd landed on the moon and, and yeah. three astronauts had left to um, um, explore. Ridley Scott felt that the um, actors looked too big against the spaceship. Um, yeah. He felt that the proportion didn't look right. He wanted the spaceship to look much bigger. So they actually got some of their kids to I wear heard the, about um, this. to put on space costumes and yeah. film them from far enough away that you can't tell who's in the They did that in yeah. the alien room as well. When, when yeah, they, they did. Uh, yeah. The primordial alien. Um, which they wanted later, him to look really big and yeah yeah and uh it's that's one of the most curious scenes because you see this unknown alien life that's wasn't necessarily bad you know alien doesn't need to be bad um but it's you don't know any you don't learn anything else about it in that movie you see yeah you just see the giant skeleton. skeleton and it's it's never really explored in that film um, I kind of like that uh, in a way. Uh, they do explore it in later films, which um, is interesting. Uh, but I, I liked it in this film. They didn't worry about exploring that because some things just can't be explained. Mm. And I think it's okay to to leave it like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't feel the need. Like, I know that they've been plenty of sequels and, and there's like this whole universe now that's been mm. created from this from this one film that to me the, the first film stands on its own I don't feel the need to see all the others 100% I will I do see every new new one that comes out but it's with hope you know I see it with hope <laughs> and I'm always disappointed I, like I can like them and respect them for different things. Prometheus is an interesting example. That's a good movie, uh, but it's just, it's very 
different. And again, I'm pretty sure Ridley Scott was on that one, which I think may be the, I could be wrong, but the only other Alien movie that had Ridley Scott again. Um, but it's not about the alien. It's just another, it's about, I think, the primordial beings in a way. It more explores them. So Ridley Scott mm -hmm. does come back and talk about them. But this one, or Alien as it is, this, this does it. And I want to touch upon the only other sort of thing in Alien Universe of, of, of content that's been released that I do love nearly as much, not not as much, but nearly, um, is the the game Alien Isolation. This this game came out at a time where the only games that were made about Alien were mostly Alien vs Predator, <laughs> uh, and were just action FPS shooters. They were very much not FPS, um, third person action shooters. So you have just it's very military based and it's very much like the sequel aliens it's all action and adventure and shooting up lots of aliens when they were making this game it was meant to be back to the roots it's you're playing as amanda ripley who's ellen ripley's daughter and she's trying to figure out what happened to her mom so she's she explores the abandoned astromo or the explores these these abandoned ships and is hunted by an alien um, and it's very well paced. It's paced like the movie. It's slow, methodical. You just walk around with the little flamethrower or whatever you have on you. Um, and initially, the production behind it, the, the big weeks in the production, were, were saying this needs to be third person, which is, if you aren't familiar, it's where the camera in a game view is behind the player. You can see the person walking around as if they're in the 3D space. Right. But, explaining that. Well, there could there could be people who might might. Not. No, no, no. I'm I'm genuinely grateful that you're explaining it to me because I'm not a game player. So oh, okay. I sorry. Understand the terminology. Yeah, yeah I misinterpreted that. that. Um, so, in the background, behind the scenes, the team who were very passionate about the project and loved the original film were actually making the game first person, which is where you see it through the eyes. You're just, you're in the character. All you see is their tools that they're holding, which they have the little tracker, they have the scanner, which just shows a little blip. And they showed this to the producers. Um, they showed a demo where you have the character walk around um, just with their little, their little um, scanner blipping when there's the alien nearby. And then you see the alien walk past and you're just hiding behind a wall and you're in this character. And they loved it. They actually loved it and recognized that this is what the game needed to be and so that's how it, how it was made which is behind the back of the people funding them um and I, I love that because it the only reason it's so beloved is because it hits all the notes or nearly all the notes that the first film did and it was trying to just recreate that in a kind of new story and i, I love that um so yeah, there, there is some good alien media out there um, that's come since. But, uh, so, yeah. just circling back to, to the film, yeah. um, what are your takeaways? <laughs> Too many. Um, it's a movie that's just inspired me my entire life. Uh, it's left a massive impression on me from the alien itself, the horror elements, Ripley's character, the... Um, the vastness of space is something that's lingered with me from that movie. And it's an obsession I've had ever since, really. Um, and before I was already interested, but that movie really just increased it. It's not just the, the alien and the horror aspects and all that that's part of that film. It is also set in, in this wonderful piece of space, you know, um, I, I take away a lot from it, the aesthetic, everything. Um, it all just, it feels both nostalgic and fresh all at the same time. Um, I, I love it to bits and I could watch it any day of the week, you know, any time of the year and just be enamored by it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So what about you? Yeah, what did you take away? Um, oh. What do I take away from this movie? I think I take away from it um, just the courage that the people had to make this, to follow through on a vision, um, you know, and, and they might have had different pressures on them to 
make it a different sort of more family-friendly film. Yeah. And Star Wars was definitely billed as a family film. And um, I remember my parents taking me to see Star Wars, me and my brothers, when I was seven. They did not take a soul to see <laughs> Alien. <laughs> um, yeah, so just the courage that people had to follow a vision and, and then the impact that that has had because it's had impacts on all of us individually. Mm. But I think, you know, when you look at the um, uh, influence this film has had on subsequent films, there are so many films that have happened in the last 20 years and I'm not just talking about the Alien franchise, but sorry, not 20 years. How many years is it? Oh, nearly More 40 like 40, 40, 41, 42 years. Um, in that time, you know, so many films have been made that um, would have been influenced by Alien. Without a doubt. That, that's incredible. It's an incredible um, feat that they achieved. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I totally agree with that. It's just I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that it was made and that it you know, that the people behind it stuck to their guns on the choices that they made and that they didn't really care what, what the audience would think, you know. They don't, they don't get fixated on trying to get bums in seats. They get fixated on making something that's going to last, that's going to make an yeah. impact. Um, yeah. And that's what makes it special. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I've seen other, um, you know, directors, filmmakers follow a vision and it hasn't worked. But this one, oh, this yeah, one I mean... paid off. It definitely paid off. And, um, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of the box office on this was over $100 million. So, you know, for a film that was made for about wow. $11 million, that's, um, that's pretty cool. I, and I think it's probably just going profit by the minute, you know. You just look at the clock and it ticks up. <laughs> <laughs> well, this that's the box office, so, yeah. Just the box industry. office? Wow, yeah, I thought that might have been global, sort of a or, or projected. Because I wonder how much it's since earned for whoever owns the rights for it um, since in yeah. in um, well anything else. It is still earning money because I I, I paid to rent it um, on YouTube this week because um, oh you got it on YouTube interesting yeah I think it's streaming on Disney Plus but we don't current, oh. we're not currently subscribed to Disney Plus yeah same. subscribed to so many others we we let that one go but, so I just paid a few bucks to see it. Yeah, that's great. On YouTube. I thankfully have the disc, which a lot of people bag me up for having discs, but uh, it came in handy because it was on Disney Plus and I don't have Disney Plus. Um, so I, I had it and I could crack it out and I didn't have to pay, you know, Disney just to watch a movie I like. Yes. I'm happy to pay the creators, but Disney had as much to do that film as I did, you know, <laughs> uh, them, I, I don't need to give them money for it. I've, I, love I've that, already... I love that you're, sta you're standing up to the man, Dars. <laughs> standing up to the Disney man. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching things on Disney Plus and um, sure. definitely, definitely sure. um, would take yeah. out a subscription again in the future if there's a few shows that I want to watch, but gosh, there's so many streaming services. You can't just, you mm. can't have them all, all the time. I, yeah, I want to just finish off by saying that there has been no, I, I love sci-fi, but there has been almost, I don't think any other sci-fi movie that has hit me the way that this film hit. Uh, I don't think any subsequent movie has been as, 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 to me, that this is obviously uh, personal, uh, personal opinion. Uh, no other film has been as amazing um, to what to what this film was. Um, there's been a lot of other good sci-fi movies, but nothing as good as this. Mm. Wow, massive call there, Darcy. And I look, I don't disagree. I think. Um... You convinced me to watch a horror film this week and I enjoyed every single You gave it a nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. And that's that's almost as good as a ten for me. The only reason I don't give films a ten is probably because I, you know, want to leave some buffer there for, for something new and amazing mm. that I haven't seen yet. 
<laughs> but I yeah. can't help this. I, I think it's I think it's just magic. It's it's really worth watching. If there any if there's anyone like me who's listening who doesn't normally watch horror films, I urge you to watch this one because it's a it's made for people that just enjoy film. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, honestly, if, if if anyone hasn't seen it, it's just it's a must watch. It's a classic. Well, there you go. We actually agree yeah. on a movie. We do. Oh, high five. Um, <laughs> high five. And I will I will say that the Blu-ray version that I have looks stunning. It looks the the quality is just incredible. I was very impressed. Like the just the detail on Has it been it. remastered? Uh, I I assume so. I've got the Blu-ray which I think is sort of a form of remastering um uh, yeah. but I've had this this copy for at least 5 years. Um, so it's nothing too too new in a way. It's new compared to the movie, but um, no, it looks it looks amazing. Just like when it's a close up and you can see the dirt and sweat on them, it, it looks like how modern movies do in a way. Um, you get the artifacts of the old real real film camera that they use, but the actual detail is just impeccable. Well, there you go. Blu-ray. Um... Yeah, endorsement. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not just Blu-ray, <laughs> but it's also the fact that old, old, old techniques aren't always worse than the new ones. Um, the fact that all of that data, that data had to be captured somewhere, and it was captured on the original uh, raw footage, on those reels, those physical reels. Um, the fact yeah. that it can do that, it's less practical because you've got these giant reels to handle, but the detail there, it's nothing else. And that's also what sets it apart. From a lot of more more recent movies, is digital doesn't give you the cool style that and 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 it sometimes can miss out on the detail that you get from um, uh, depending on the on the gear. But yeah, anyway, that that's just another sort of uh, cool thing. Yeah, I, I'm just going to keep going if we don't stop this. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um probably need to talk about what movie we're going to do next yeah it's it's your pick so, and you pre-warned me that i'm gonna have to go to the cinema for this one so yes yes go ahead <laughs> wanted to make sure that you had you know free up your week so that you can go to the cinema to see it because um it's that's still the only place you can see it so my pick for next week darcy is the house of gucci Oh, and the reason okay. I picked this okay. is because it's the most recent film released by Ridley Scott. So yes. I thought we'd do a good comparison um, between one of his earliest films and where what, what he's doing now. Yes. Um, I, I, ironically, I will just say that having earlier just said in the podcast that I don't look up things for films before I see them, this movie... I did actually read a bit about and I've heard mixed things. So I'm really curious because I love the cast and I uh, like most of Ridley Scott's work. Um, even though I love Alien, I don't always love his other work. Um, so I, I'm very excited for this one. I was going to see it already. So uh, yeah. giving this chance. Well, it ticks a couple exciting. of boxes. Yeah, it ticks a couple of boxes for me. I actually haven't seen it yet either, but I was willing to take a punt that it would be a good one to discuss. But also, um, it's another one that uh, has received some Oscar nominations. And um, so I do want to try and see some of the, you know, most of the main films that are nominated. That was on yeah, my list. fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. All right, well, um, I think that that's about it for me. What about you? Yeah, I think that's about it from me too, Dubs. Good chat. Okay, no worries. Well, um, if you like this episode, be sure to uh, yeah. like it and give it a review. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Oggy and and for- Alien. Um, and don't forget that you can also email us if you have movie suggestions for us to review, or discuss rather, at um, Alien at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, any suggestions would be much appreciated. Um, but otherwise, that that's all from us for this week, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. In the audio. Testing the audio. 
Let's test the audio. Yay.